0: Hey guys, I'm Jason Cross, pastoral resident here at Grace Church Avon, and today I have the privilege of speaking on the final chapter in the book of Jonah. Now, if you caught the last of the few few messages in the series, you know that Jonah has been going through a lot trying to avoid God or run from the direction that God has called him to go in. I'm closing out this series by speaking on chapter four. Here's a funny thing about chapter four. Probably could have been left out because chapter three ends with Jonah doing what the Lord had called him to do and the Ninevites repenting for their sins and turning to God. I mean, what more is there that we can learn from Jonah? Chapter four can be thought of as The the finishing scenes of a good Avengers movie, you know, the credits go up, you sit there, you're staring, you're waiting, you're waiting, you want to know what's next. And so they show you a little extended footage. I think chapter four is extended footage of Jonah's story because God wants us to know a little bit more about Jonah. Now, in case you're unfamiliar with Jonah, I just want to give you a recap of what we've talked about so far in dealing with the story of Jonah. So Jonah was called to go to the the Ninevites. He's supposed to deliver a message for them to repent, turn from their sins so that God was going to destroy them. Jonah didn't want to do this, so he ran. He got on a boat, There was a great storm. The people were ready to kill him. Jonah said, no, actually, they weren't ready to kill him. Jonah was ready to kill himself. And so he admits to them, look, I'm the cause of the storm. Throw me overboard. Jonah finds himself in a fish where he mentions that he was in the depths of the sea. Jonah is then thrown onto the shore of Nineveh, where he is now here to do the work of the Lord. He has delivered the message. He gives the shortest delivered message ever documented in the Bible, and the city responds. And so Jonah is here. They've repented, and Jonah feels some kind of way. He doesn't like that the people responded to the message that God sent him to deliver. Now, that makes no sense to me. See, as a Christian, as a preacher, when I share the gospel with someone, my main goal is that they would turn, repent, and follow God. And that is exactly what the Ninevites did. But Jonah is upset about this. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, he says, says the change of plans upset Jonah and he became angry. What was he angry about? Like what change messed with Jonah's mind? Like, was it the change that God actually forgave the Ninevites or was it that the Ninevites actually changed and turned the God instead of digging deeper into their evils? Either way, it upset Jonah, which makes no sense to me because he is there to do the work and will of God, but he's letting his own emotions get in the way. And he's starting to look at God and saying, hey, you should be following my lead, not the other way around. Have you ever felt like that when you're dealing with God? God has spoken something to you. It's in your heart. You know God has given it to you, but you are kind of rebelling against it because you want to put yourself in a position to run God. (laughs) That's not the way we want to do things. And that's what Jonah is trying to do right here. So he's probably upset about both circumstances. He's probably upset about the fact that the Ninevites... Turn from their wicked ways to follow God, and he's upset that God actually had mercy. I mean, just think about that for a second. God had mercy, and Jonah is upset about that. Makes no sense. But Jonah in in, in verse uh, 2 here says, he complained to the Lord about that. He said, he said, I told you before I left home, I knew about you. Before I went out to Tarsus and ran away, I knew about you. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate, God. I knew you were slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And Jonah is like, that upsets me, God, that you want people to be saved, that you want people who are evil to have an opportunity to turn back to you. Jonah here for the first time in the word is showing anger, not because of God's judgment or his justice, but because of his mercy. Jonah's very unique in his approach and response to God. You see, Jonah is a Jewish man, and he looks at his relationship because it's attached to the law, right, and the Israelite people. And the Ninevites, they don't have the law, and they certainly didn't follow the law. So they didn't deserve the same mercy and forgiveness that Jonah received from God, or so he thought. See so we all have people that we struggle with, right? Or we have people that have we've gone so far as to feel like we've got to speak ill will towards them or at very least wonder why God is allowing them to prosper people who may have hurt us, or maybe they believe what we believe is absolutely wrong, or maybe they've never uh, wished or prayed anything bad about them, but you've been puzzled by the fact that God is allowing them to prosper. In those moments, it's what we need to remember about what Peter said. He said to the early church in 1 Peter 3, he said this, But you must not forget this one thing. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is more patient than we are. And the same God that was patient with Nineveh was patient with Jonah. He's now patient with us. And we struggled the same way Jonah did. Jonah wanted God to operate according to his plan. He wanted God to submit to his will. Jonah wanted God to enact what he thought was justice that's why he felt justified to be angry with how God responded to Nineveh. When it comes down to it, we just like Jonah, we're far more interested in our plans than God's plans. But the truth is, God's plans don't require our permission. One thing interesting about chapter 4 is it gives more context For Jonah's interaction in chapter one. See, Jonah ran from God in chapter one. And on the initial reading of the book, it seems like Jonah must have ran because he was either afraid of the Assyrians or angry that God was warning them about the coming destruction. He wanted them to lay a divide, he wanted God to lay a divine smackdown on them, right? You guys know about Rock the Rock. He lays the smack down. This is what Jonah wanted God to do. And he, he was resistant because he just knew how merciful God was. In fact, Jonah is upset about God over this situation. So here's what happens next. Jonah says this. He says this in um, chapter four, verse three through five. He says, Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen with the city. Jonah is so insistent about God's duty to fulfill his desires rather than his life's purpose to be about God's plan and mission that he decided to go sit and watch and wait and Hope that God would do things according to his will instead of just accepting the fact that God was showing mercy. He went out to the east side of the city and he sat and said, I'm going to sit here and believe God to turn towards my will, not to keep in line with his promises. The Ninevites have already repented. God has already shown mercy. And Jonah's like, no, God, you're going to do something different. Jonah is acting like some of us act, right? See, I am glad that God doesn't do things the way I want him to whenever I would like him to do it. Because if God was like me, he'd be very wishy-washy. See, I'm a, I can be dishonest. I can do things out of selfishness. I can do things that simply please me and take no one else into consideration. Now, if God did things like that, we'd all be in trouble because we'd have a God like us. And we know ourselves when things make us angry or we don't like the way something is going, we can make things, choices, and decisions solely out of selfish ambitions. Now, God will make those kind of choices out of selfish ambitions, but they're selfish ambitions about you coming into his love. See, like God selfishly wants us to be loved by him. God selfishly wants us to receive his mercy and turn away from our wicked ways. Look, that's a kind of selfishness that we should all be embracing because he's saying the selfishness that I practice is about your best interest. It's about you coming back into my love and into my glory but I'm glad God's not like me. I'm glad he doesn't do it like that. And and God really asked Jonah a question about his anger. He said, "Is it okay for you to be angry about this?" And Jonah doesn't respond. So, when Jonah does this, he goes out there and he and he delivered this message to Nineveh. And he says, "I'm going to sit here and hopefully in 40 days God is going to do what he said he was going to do." Look, Jonah was having a hard time getting it, but I want you to get it today. We can either participate in God's plan or we can protest God's plan. But God's plan is going to happen. Let me say that again. We can either participate in God's plan or protest God's plan, but God's plan is going to happen. Jonah was holding out hope for no reason. He's protesting, and all the while, God has already moved on from showing mercy to Nineveh. He's out here, and he's having this conversation with Jonah, and he's like, look, Jonah, just pay attention, and he's starting to show Jonah himself. He's allowing Jonah to see how he's acting with an experience that really recounts exactly what was happening with the Ninevites. Jonah looked at the Ninevites as not deserving God's mercy, even though he had shown mercy to Jonah, right, when he was running from God earlier in his story. See, what what Jonah didn't understand was this. God's mercy is undeserved, regardless of the sin. Jonah is too blinded by his bitterness to see it, but actually, uh, he's the one opposed to God. God's doing at this point in the story, right? It's not even Nineveh anymore, Jonah is now opposed to God. They turned, they heard the message of the Lord and they turned away. But now it's Jonah who's running from the will of God, or actually he's trying to run God. He's trying to say, God, do as I want you to do. Yet in the middle of Jonah's stubborn campout, God shows Jonah a small act of kindness, a little display of his mercy and power. In Jonah 4, 6, and the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to go there. And soon it spread its broad wings. I'm sorry, its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Look at God. God's showing Jonah mercy in the midst of his madness, right? Jonah's upset, and God is showing him mercy. He's not going in the direction of God's will, but God is showing him mercy. Remind you of anyone? We, we just learned that this was Jonah's issue with the Ninevites, and now look at him. He's getting the very thing that he didn't want God to give to the Ninevites. Wow. So Jonah is not deserving of this shade or shelter, but God still gives it to him, right? Strangely enough, in this very moment, the entire book of Jonah, right, this is the first time that we see Jonah happy. He's happy, but he's only happy because it pleases him. He's only happy because it pleases him. We have got to get to the place where we grow beyond our happiness, only being associated with what pleases us and move into a place where our joy is complete because it pleases God. We've got to break ourselves from only having a selfish ambition in life and find joy in doing what the Lord has called us to. Jonah 4, 78 says this. I'm, I'm sorry, not seven eight. Jonas, yes, Jonah four seven a says this, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at the dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Jonah, Jonah is quick to wish (laughs) death on (laughs) himself. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. This is Jonah. So Jonah was as deserving of the plant as Nineveh was of forgiveness. And you can actually argue that Jonah was even less deserving because he was unrepentant. He did not want to repent in this circumstance towards God. He wanted to stay mad. He wanted to stay where he was at, but it's not our job to determine or to judge who should or shouldn't receive God's gift of mercy. Once again, God's plans, they don't require our permission. Jesus said something similar to the in the book of Matthew. He said, you have heard the law that says love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. There's truly something beautiful and freeing that's happening when we let ourselves settle in our hearts that that we are to love and pray for those who might hurt us or even make us feel just some kind of way about them. Jesus is trying to get his followers to stop judging whether people deserve good or bad to happen to them. To stop rooting for rain on our enemies and stop only expecting sunlight in our own lives. So if we continue with that in our thinking, then we would never really understand God's plan and purpose. So he sends challenges to us, just like with Jonah, to uproot those types of thinking in our minds and hearts so that we can begin to shift in the direction of God's will to love people and not stick with our own will to say we're only deserving of love and good things. So the best thing we can do really is celebrate, celebrate good on people's lives and pray for people when we see rain on their life, because we want people to experience God's love and mercy, because we ourselves had to receive the same thing. Let's not think like Jonah. Jonah couldn't grasp God's mercy in the moment, right? He didn't realize that God's mercy on the enemies was a good thing because he didn't realize that he wasn't the only one worthy of mercies. He wasn't, he wasn't putting himself in the scenario. He was removing himself from the fact that he also received God's mercy. Jonah was thinking of himself more highly than he ought. He was a sinner, just like the Ninevites, and God poured out mercy on him. And so anybody who comes to God in repentance should receive the same mercy that Jonah received. And he was just having a tough time wrapping his mind around that. He couldn't fathom God giving him his mercy to people who didn't live by the law. Now, if we thought like that, then none of us would get it because we don't live by the law. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So so I thank God that his mercy shows up in our lives even today as those who don't live by the law. God is trying to show us something here with Jonah. See, Jonah doesn't understand how the rain and the sun work on people's lives and that God will allow it to rain. God will allow rain and sunshine on people's lives, good and evil, just the same as he pleases. Just like that, the plant in Jonah's story was protection from the searing heat It was a blessing from God. But the worm, also arranged by God, was a blessing too. It prevented Jonah from becoming comfortable where he was. See, when it comes to our lives, whether God sends rain or sunlight, God will use anything to get us into his plan. So he's shaking Jonah Jonah's being shook by these different scenarios. Oh, there's my sunlight, my, my shade, my blessing. Oh, here comes this heat. Oh, now the plant is gone. And either one of those scenarios creates an opportunity for Jonah to move closer to God. See, when he was in that when he felt that heat he turns to God and he can ask for shade. When the when 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 it felt like it was it was bad times he can turn to God and say God have mercy on me. When it was good times he can turn to God and say God I rejoice in the good that you've given me. Any scenario that we find ourselves in is an opportunity for us to move closer to God and his plan for our lives, be it good or bad. God will use anything to invite us into his plan. Verse nine says, "Uh, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. (laughs) even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did not put anything there. It came up quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry about that great city? See, this is where God's purpose for the plant and the worm." This was, this was God's purpose for the plant and the worm, for the good and the bad, for the sun and the rain. It was all designed to get Jonah to see God's heart for humanity, even the parts of the humanity Jonah struggled with. Nineveh, over the course of the story of Jonah, God used all sorts of unusual things to get Jonah to deliver his message to Nineveh and try to get Jonah to see Nineveh how he did, got arranged, prepared, and used a multiplicity of things to get Jonah to hear this statement from God and about how God saw the people of Nineveh. I love humanity, and I want humanity to come back to me. God gave Jonah a message to share. He used the storm to stop Jonah from running. A pagan sailor woke Jonah up. Jonah found himself in a fish that brought him to a place of repentance. There was an eclipse and political tension, as we saw earlier in the stories in week three, um, uh, to, to unsettle the Ninevites. A plant was used as an example of God's level of control and level of mercy. A worm was an example to Jonah for his lack of control and his ability to be in charge of situations, and the scorching heat was sent to agitate Jonah. God used good, bad, unorthodox things throughout the Bible to deliver Israel to the promised land and ultimately deliver us from sin. I mean, he used things like frogs in Egypt and, and locusts and trumpeters around cities to make the walls of Jericho collapse. He used a donkey's jawbone in the hand of uh, Samson. Uh, he used, uh, he told the uh, Gideon to make his army smaller just to do a great work. He used uh, empty oil jars. God Use any and everything to pull back people to himself. And I thank God that he used Jesus, Jesus who clothed himself in humanity to save us, pay for our sins, and bring us back to new life. God will take from you, God will give to you whatever it takes to move and motivate you towards himself and his desire. For your life. I mean, I wonder what things God right now is trying to use to get your attention, to refocus you in order for you to wake up and see his desire for you. It could be something that's agitating you like an annoying coworker or a client or yourself. That God's trying to get you to see differently a problem at work or in your community that seems to bother you more than anybody else. God's bringing it to your attention because he wants you to be the one he uses to solve it. Maybe he's giving you a message, or maybe he's giving you a gift. He's giving you something you can use to speak to that problem for resolution to come. And not just resolution according to your will, but resolution where his mercy and love is experienced by those who are involved. That's how he uses it. God is asking you to find purpose in your frustration, in your agitation, in your problem, because it can be an abundance of something good that he's blessed you with, and he wants you to be generous with it, right? So God is saying, whether it's a bad thing or it's an abundance of blessings, I want to use it. I want to use it for my glory. I want to use it. I want to use you for people to experience my grace, my mercy, and my love. God gave gave Jonah a, a, a plant. He gave him the bad through the worm. God gave him, made him go into a fish to be swallowed. For the same reason, Jonah got spit out of the fish it was to deliver him to Nineveh. He got swallowed by it. He sat in it for three days. He got spit out on the shore, all for God's plan to come to pass. Maybe it's time for us to just stop being angry at God. Stop looking at the people that God has called us to as a reason to run away from God, or as a reason to say, no, God, I want to be in control. Maybe it is time for us to simply run to God. Be grateful, be thankful for whatever season God has placed us in. It might be raining in your life right now, but God provides shelter, There'll be sunlight in your life right now, and that's the time to rejoice and just thank God for his blessings in your life. Either way, no matter what the weather is in your life, we must be paying attention. Be attentive to where God is pulling us to and calling us to, and run with God instead of away from God. Run with God instead of trying to run God and have him suit our own needs listen God cared about the 120 people that lived in Nineveh in the same way that he cared about the seven he cares about the 7.8 billion people living all over the world today In the same way that he cares about the 332 million people who call America home. In the same way that he cares about the 6.89 million people living in Massachusetts. In the same way he cares about the two to five people living in your home today. Maybe it's time for you to start praying that God help us to see people we struggle with the way he does. Maybe it's time for us to start praying for God to help us see see things uh, that God sends our way, good or bad, the way he does. And maybe it's time for us to ask God to help us have the courage to step into the simple calling that he's giving us to love our neighbors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you cause rain and sunlight. God, we're praying and we're asking, God, that you will continue to move our hearts in the direction of your will. God, give us an ambition to stop running, to stop trying to control what you want to do in the earth and to simply be a part of it to listen and to obey and to hear your voice when you call out to us. God, we're asking and praying these things in Jesus' name. Amen.